Hey, this is Jerry Gherkin. I uh, just super excited about uh, starting this venture and, and chatting with you guys about uh, a lot of personal growth and development and some other things. But before I get started, I wanted to give you a little background about who I am and where I came from and how I got into this. Born and raised in Northwest Ohio, very active athlete. Ended up going into the Marine Corps out of high school where I served four years and did a tour in Desert Storm. Got out of the Marine Corps and went to Finley College where I wrestled there. I met my wife of 28 years while we were in college and made a career change. I planned on going into um, sports medicine, but it just shifted differently once we had kids. And so I ended up getting into education. And I think that that's what resonates with me is teaching. Yeah. So um, I started to uh, teach and ended up getting into the car business because the uh, teaching market wasn't really available. Um, Like I said, I'm married for 28 years and I've got two daughters 23 and 25, Tessa and Tabitha. We reside here in Finley. My daughter Tabitha lives in Finley and my daughter Tessa lives in South Carolina. Tabitha's married and Tessa's getting married. And uh, so now we're empty nesters and I wanted to uh, come back to my roots and uh, teach. I like it. So my name's Meredith and I'm here with Jerry. And uh, he, he has on his wall... Uh, of his office. I I do some marketing for Jerry and I noticed on the wall of his office the other day that there were all of these like motivational words and right away I knew what was going on with it because I also practice like the law of attraction and positive thinking and things like that. So when you were like, let's do a podcast about this, I said, "Uh, yeah, we should definitely do a podcast (laughs) about this because Jerry, you're so successful and I do feel like you have a lot to teach people about how you got here. And so I think this will be valuable for anyone who's listening to this show um, and anyone who's out there hustling or if you own a business or you work in sales or even, you know, if you work in other industries that aren't even business related, I think it can help you. Absolutely. And again, I I like to teach and I get my kicks out of watching people succeed. And and one of the things that's up on my wall is give, give, give. And and that's that's what I do. I, I give of myself and expect nothing in return. Right. So I, I just want to uh, reach out to the communities and, and talk to them about um, personal growth and development and motivation and, and see what I can do to help maybe turn turn it a little bit around for you if you're feeling down or if you uh, just need a little boost. Yeah. When I started in the, just a fun side note, when I started working at car dealerships right out of college, uh, I got a recruiting job for a big car dealership. And we would recruit teachers like crazy to sell cars because they make such good salespeople because they're used to educating people on the process and they don't come off as pushy. Did you know that? No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, recruiters are always looking for teachers. So you're like in the perfect position for you. Well, it's been, I've been wildly successful and, yeah. I, and I really attribute it a lot to the personal growth and development and always trying yeah. to learn and a lifetime learner, if you will. So I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of things. I listen to podcasts. I listen to books on tape. Um, and I get a lot of my um, inspiration from that as What's well. What's the last book you read? Um, How to S- Keep and Stay Motivated by Grant Cardone. Oh, you're a 10Xer. I am. There's yeah. <laughs> in, this, in this book, there's 100 different little quick hitters, Yeah. as only Grant Cardone could bring it. Yes. Um, to uh, help get and stay motivated. Yeah, he's a great guy. Great guy. So what I wanted to really touch on today for this initial podcast that we're doing is um, something that I think a lot of people can relate to, and that's fear and doubt. A lot of yes. times we're, we're held back because of fear and doubt. Well, how do you, how do you overcome fear and doubt? Because we all have certain fears and we, we 
you know, some, something that Grant Cardone says is do it scared, you know, do something scared and, and then you'll, you'll break through and then you'll grow from it. Um, but how do you overcome fear and doubt? You overcome fear and doubt with knowledge and skill. Well, mm-hmm. Where do you gain that knowledge and skill? From podcasts like this or from books or from mentors or coaches. Right. Um, and you gain that knowledge and skill from practicing, drilling and rehearsing, especially in my um, environment. Right. In sales, you have to be able to answer a lot of questions, a lot of tough questions, be in some high pressure situations. And once you memorize and personalize and, and it becomes just part of who you are, it's like my wife says, I have a different language when I'm talking to her about the car business. It's true. It is true. And so, I, and I think a lot of people in different careers, they, they have that same thing. Yeah. You know, they have a different language and it's like, what? I don't understand. You're talking like I talked to a mechanic and they're telling me about all these things. And even though I'm in this business, I don't know anything about fixing a car. Right. I let them do that because that's their profession. So fear and doubt, knowledge and skill. And then what does it, what do you gain from that knowledge and skill? you gain courage and confidence to do what you wanted to do in the first place. Okay. So that, that's kind of what I wanted to bring to the table today. And we can talk more about that, but those, those three lines, bullet points, fear and doubt, knowledge and skill, courage and confidence, I think can resonate in anybody's life. Okay. So tell me about a situation when you felt like you were overcome with fear or doubt or, you know, uh, imposter syndrome feelings like you shouldn't have been there. So I'll go back to my first car sale. Okay. So I thought that the car business was like shooting fish in a barrel. I thought it was going to be super easy. Right. Same. And, I, <laughs> and I, I would go in and I would visit. I was coaching wrestling at the time and I would go in and I would visit with uh, one of my um, wrestlers fathers. He was a general manager at a car dealership and I'd watch these salesmen come in and out. And I'm like, this is easy. I wasn't finding a full-time teaching job. I had two kids. I had a mortgage. I had a wife. I had a lot of bills. I had to, I had to make some money. So I told him, I said, I can do this. I need to make money. And he's like, yeah. you need to be a teacher. He said, you got to promise me that you're going to stay and be a teacher. I'll give you this job for now as a stopgap. But so I put my finger, crossed my fingers behind my back. Eight days later, I hadn't sold a car. Right. So I was like, oh man, that's a lot tougher than I thought. Yeah. You think you're going to sell like a car a day when you come into the business and that's not. Yeah. I'd watch these guys come in and out yeah. and just like, oh, this is easy. I can do this. Right. And I'll make the money and then I'll move on to something else. But so I remember it like it was yesterday. The first, the first car sale that I actually had, I was standing out in front of the dealership on the point waiting for the next customer to come in. And there, there's kind of a, an honor among thieves, if you will. There's yes. a positioning. And this one gentleman had position on me and this car pulled up. And I'm like, shoot, that sh- I want to sell them a car. And he looked at me and he goes, you haven't sold a car yet, have you? And I said, no. And so he goes, you go ahead. So it was a mother. Well, that was nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was very nice. Yeah. Mother and son uh, pulled up and looking for a car for him. And I can remember the car. It was a 1995 Pontiac Grand Am emerald green with beige interior. So they go on a test drive, they come back and I present the numbers to them. And then they said, okay, we'll take it. A lay down. I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, um, I'll be right back. <laughs> so, Did we sign something? I, yeah. There, there was that fear because I, yeah. I didn't know what to do next. So I was like, oh, um, I'll be right back. So I went into the desk manager and I told him, I said, hey, they said they'd take the car. He's like, looked at me like I was an idiot. You know, right. Okay, so like, you know, had to go back you know, and forth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of a crazy thing, but. As time has elapsed and the more interviews that I've had and the more experience I've had, I've gained that knowledge and skill and through other things and personal growth and development and trying to grow myself as a human being where I had the courage and confidence in any situation now where I can, I can handle it. So, okay. So you sell your first car. We're fast forwarding now into the future. 
Now you're one of the top salespeople. Probably in the top it. 5% in the country. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you see people coming up now and they're starting new, you have a guy, a guy working for you now who's just starting in the car business, and you see the fear and nervousness on them, like what's your little side pep talk that you give to them? Like right before they're going to go talk to like their first customers. Well, a little bit of car lingo, we call it loading their lips. But yes. the problem with loading lips and not practicing drilling and rehearsing, you can fumble because people are going to have questions that you're not prepared for. In any conversation, you know, like our conversation right now, you're thinking about things, I'm thinking about things. And one of the truest things that we need to teach ourselves as human beings is to truly attend to what people are saying. Because too many times what we do as humans is we think ahead of what we're going to say in response, necessarily truly attending to what the person's saying. Yeah, we just don't shut up. Right. <laughs> that was, I sold cars for a bit and that was one of my biggest problems. My my manager was always like, you got to stop talking. Just put the pen down. Just put the pen down. Yeah. There was a saying and, and it still is out there, but... Um, it's he who speaks first loses Oh, when you present the numbers because you just stare at the paper and hopefully they say okay or they're going to come up with their their concerns. You know, if, if the payments are too high or I don't have that down payment or you're not giving me enough for my trade-in or, or whatever those things are. But, but yeah, he who speaks first loses typically. But uh, I'm way beyond that. But to go back, you know, I just, I just try to try to get them to understand that they need to listen. You have two yes. ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk, right? Okay. So yeah, two ears and one mouth. So and um, here's something else I, I tell a lot of young salespeople. Even a fool is thought wise when kept quiet. <laughs> it's true. So think quickly, but speak slowly. A natural pause is okay mm-hmm. in, a, in a conversation. It's, it's you're giving thought to what is being said. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to just babble, 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 because then it just sounds like the parent or the adults in the peanuts cartoon, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I think my nervousness does come out in babbling or whatever. And my mouth is always what gets me into trouble. So you're right about that. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And, and there's some other things that, um, I I think we limit ourselves in a lot of cases and and most people do, they, they aspire to a certain level. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found when I went into management, I was in management for three years. And I thought I could create a bunch of mini me's, but I, I wasn't able to do it because they have different levels of expectation for themselves. Mm-hmm. But in this business, in this career, in the sales career, it, it, your income is unlimited. You, it's you, whatever you decide. You determine what your income is going to be, right. whether you want to work hard, if you want to show up, if you don't, if you don't, you want to take time off, whatever. Uh, you don't get paid by the hour. You, right. you get paid by the commission. Right. And that's it. But I want to talk about limits. And there's a, a little story about a, a jar with fleas in it. Okay. Okay. You put a jar, a glass jar with fleas in it and put a lid on it. Okay. The fleas will jump and jump and jump and try to get out. Okay. Okay. They'll keep hitting the roof and then they'll stop. Now take the lid off. They won't jump out because they know what their limits are because somebody's told them yeah. and conditioned them that this is your limit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm here to tell you there's no limits. It's it's up to you. And Whatever what you want to do. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Limits like fear are mm-hmm. merely an illusion in most cases. Yeah, I mean, you do get boxed in. I think about times in my career where I felt very boxed in and I, I wanted to do things like start my own company or go into car sales. That was a total 180 from what I was doing at the car dealership. But I was afraid because I was used to that like regular income and a salary. 
and doing this would be considered very risky, right? Like, why would I take my college education, throw it out the door and go sell cars? And it was because I wanted that income, but I was afraid to take that leap. So I guess, what do you tell people who feel limited by maybe income restrictions? Like that's too risky of a financial move to do things. So there's a rule of 250. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of times what happens with a young salesperson and they tell you to go out and you sell your friends and your family and then what? Mm-hmm. Then you're standing by the door waiting for the door to swing. Well, with the inter- with the internet now in, in this industry, uh, the door doesn't swing. You have to generate your own traffic. Most people yeah. are doing their shopping on online and they know exactly what they want and then they go there. But if you develop those relationships instead of looking for the transaction, then you'll have people come to you and then people refer to you. But what I was getting to is the rule of 250. Okay. So you know 250 people pretty right, well. Right, right. Pretty well. Yes. Okay, guess what? Those 250 people know... 250 people. Pretty well. Right. And then those 250 people know 250. So it just exponentially goes out. And so then the next thing you know, you have this broad base of clients mm-hmm. that want to do business with you because indirectly they have a relationship with you via somebody else that's referring. Right, because people would rather do business with someone that somebody knows than not, especially in this industry in particular, I think, because... You know, you are overcoming a stigma of being a car salesman. You sure, know what I mean? We're right there at the bottom so, rung of the ladder. For right. The most so part. when you find someone like you who's reputable and trusted, of course, your network is just going to explode. So just do the right things at work <laughs> right. and you'll be very successful. But, but for these young people that right. are coming into this business and they have that fear and mm-hmm. doubt about what they're going to do, you know, you can't be, you can't serve two masters. Okay. So you, you have to be committed. And you have to put the time, energy, and effort into making it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and those relationships take that. You know, they take time, effort, and imagination to develop and maintain and sustain a relationship. So once you gain those relationships with those people and you truly take care of them, they want to see you succeed. So you you hit that 250, put that 250 out there and start to communicate with them. I can't tell you how many times it actually happened with Gage, my assistant, where he's been working with me for three months. And he was just at these people's house two days prior and they walked in the front door and another salesperson got him and they were looking at him like, oh, oh no. he didn't even know that you worked here because he didn't communicate with you gotta tell people what yeah. you do and how you do it and mm-hmm. how I do business. My, my business model is I try to make things seamless because one of the number one things that people complain about in buying a car is the amount of time it takes. You know, a lot of times I'll hear horror stories. I, I was there for four or five, six hours on a Saturday. And so what I've developed is a system where they can go to my website, jerrygerkin.com. They can complete a credit application. If they have some credit challenges, they know that when they come in the door, everything is already preset and they'll be in and out of there in a pretty quick manner. Mm-hmm. I think fear comes in also on the customer side of a car buying process. Um, do you take that into consideration too, whenever you're working with a customer, like, I know you have fears, I want to calm the fears so we can just move on and do business the right way. Absolutely. And you're a hundred percent. A lot of people, you know, three to five years is about the average buying cycle Mm -hmm. and I sell cars every day. So I'm very comfortable and in the environment, but when people do come in, they do have that fear that they're going to make a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm just your trusted advisor in the process. I'm not, I'm not a hard sale guy. I give you information. I help you make an informed decision. And if you make a non-decision, I'm okay with that. Maybe next time. I I try to put ease into that with my process. My process is really simple. Basically, I gather the information and have my manager generate a list of vehicles that fit into what you want to accomplish. Well, how do I get to what they want to accomplish? I've developed this 
It's called the Gherkin Triangle, and you can see it on my website. And in the triangle, there's three parts of a car transaction. There's your payment, down payment, and the vehicle. So you get to pick two, and I determine the third one. So if you say, Jerry, I have this trade-in, and I want to be at $300 a month, I'll have my manager generate a list of vehicles that fit into what you want to do. Perfect. Or if you say, hey, I need a third row SUV, and I don't have any money down, I'll determine what payments you're going to have. That's right. And it makes it really right. simple. And I think people like that because yeah. they want the simplicity. They don't want all the... Like, it's so simple that it, like, makes me chuckle. Like, why aren't we, why aren't more people selling this way? Like, it makes so much sense. So they do. And I actually have a buddy who's a general manager of a dealership in Cleveland who, um, he chuckled because he said that his, his, one of his sales managers brought the triangle into one of their sales meetings. And he had no idea that I developed that, but made its way. And then we have some traveling salespeople. See? And some other people have used it and then they've adopted it and they've passed it. So it's it's all over the country now. You should have trademarked it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's on my website, though. If you go to yeah. com, you can see it right there. It's the payment, down payment, the vehicle. It's a real simple, seamless process. You can fill out the credit application. I really enjoy watching people buy a car. Yeah. And then on the other side is developing the relationships with the people mm-hmm. because they become my friends. Of course they do. I, I go to their kids' events. I, I, mm-hmm. I support their their causes. Right. So I, I really enjoy doing what I do, but there's a, there's a higher purpose for what I do. So knowledge, okay. knowledge and skill. Let's talk about yeah, knowledge and skill. Yeah, let's talk about okay? knowledge and skill. So fear and doubt is, is there. Okay, mm-hmm. we know that that is present. But how do you get the knowledge and skill? You got to put in the work. Right. You know, too many people want success, but they don't want to do what it takes to be successful. Mm-hmm. They would rather get sleep. They would rather do other things. They would rather go down a rabbit hole on their phone or watch TV than, than read the book or take the time to listen to the book or to go to a seminar or to listen to somebody that has some value that can, they can take with them. It's true. I mean, I think smartphones are like the downfall of our society, to be honest, because just the other day I was like in Facebook for three hours, just laying in bed, looking at Facebook for three hours. And then I realized I had just done that for three hours. It's such a time suck. So what time do you get up in the morning? Because I started getting up super early for this reason. 530. I get up about 532. What's your morning routine look like to get your day set up for success? So usually what I'll do in the morning is is I'll go turn my coffee on, let my dogs out. And then I sit down in my chair and then I start to decide. And and it just comes to me what I want to listen to or what I want to feed my brain in Mm -hmm. the morning. Um, I'm, I'm really, when I was in college, I would, I would not stay up all night and study because I could never retain things. I would go to bed early and then get up early and then I would retain the information that way. So how I operate is, is at that level. And so then I would listen to something, uh, whether it be a podcast or a book that I'm currently listening to, uh, jot some notes down, write down my daily goals, uh, what I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't accomplish some things the previous day, I put those goals at the top of the list. So that's the priority for that day and try to work through those goals throughout the day. And then four to five days a week, I'll go to the gym, just get a get a workout in. I think um, exercise releases endorphins and mm-hmm. it helps you with your creativity. Uh, so I'll, I'll do that. And then we come back and uh, my wife usually goes to the gym with me and then we'll, we'll walk our Australian shepherds. We have three year old Australian shepherds, high energy. And yeah, they live, need to walk. Yeah. We live by a park. So we'll okay. go walk them and we'll have our conversation and then I'll come to work and start my day. So see, you've already done so much before the day even starts. And one of those things was learning, like listening to a podcast or reading a book or whatever you're doing that morning. Um, and I think that people discount the time before you come to work. Like I, I used to live in a state where I was like, 
rush, 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 trying to get to work, wake up and get ready. And like, I didn't take any moments for myself in the morning to kind of just set my day up for success. But you can get a lot of learning done, I think, first thing in the morning. And, um, I, and for me, if, if I don't do that, my whole day is kind of chaotic. Me too, yeah. Yeah, it's chaotic because I'm not in that routine, that routine that, I, and that's one of my things on my vision board is to a daily routine because a consistent process, in my opinion, equals success. And that, that was my one word for last year. I read a book a couple of years ago called One Word. Um, I can't recall the author at the moment, but my one word for last year was consistency. Mm -hmm. So I was very deliberate about the consistency I had in my life in every area in my life, not just my work life, my relationship with my spouse, my kids, my coworkers, what I did on a daily basis. And that and I had a career year last year. And I attribute a lot of that to the consistency and the focus. You are picking better words than me. I know about the one word book. And my word last year was money. I should have picked consistency. <laughs> then I would have made more money. Well, these What's guys, your word this year? Growth. Growth. I like yeah, it. Growth. Okay. So I have a goal to, to sell this money, this many vehicles. And so that that's one thing. But then you also have to have the why behind the what. So, right, right. You know, so what do I want to accomplish? I want to sell this many vehicles. But why do I want to do that? Because... A lot of times, and you, you maybe watch sports, but you see these 30 for 30s and you see these people that, you know, they focus on the money, but then the money goes away because they didn't have a, a purpose. A reason for what for to do. Money. Right. What, what, what's the why? Why am I generating all this money? Why do I want a bigger house? Why do I want a, bigger, a nicer mm -hmm. car? Why do you want to do that? You have to ask those tough questions for yourself and be honest with yourself to find out. Then when you are that way and you are honest with yourself, then you'll have a more motivation and more drive to accomplish what you want. I do feel like your why is because you want to bless others because I see you blessing others all the time um, through financial means and time and giving back and things like that. So that's a, yeah, well, that's a, a really that's a good big, why. That's a big thing for me is uh, giving back. And, mm -hmm. it, and it came at a, the right time, I think. Our kids are growing out of the house now and uh, my wife and I are, are very blessed mm -hmm. and I want to be able to help others. Okay, so for knowledge, how important do you think it is to go to like a conference? I know a lot of people are like, I have to go to conferences all the time. Do you think in today's world that those are so important as they used to be? So they are, mm -hmm. but but you have to you have to dial in on what you're going to take away because um, I, I found myself in my early career with with conferences or seminars that I would go to. I would go and I would participate and I would be all jacked up and then I would come back to work and then I would go right back to the same routine that I was exactly. in. Exactly. And I would take all that information and put it in a drawer and forget about it. So you, but when I was coach, I coached wrestling for 25 years. When I was coaching, I would use this as an example. I would tell my athletes that I can teach you a hundred different techniques. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could show you how to do an arm spin. I can show you how to do an inside. I can show you all these different techniques. But the best wrestlers in the world do two or three things better than anybody else. And they just focus on it. And just focus on that. There was a guy, his name's John Smith, and he was a two-time Olympic gold medalist. He coaches at Oklahoma State now. Um, he did a, an actual video, How Low Can You Go? He was the king of the low single. And he mm -hmm. showed people how to, how to do this low single. So he, gave, he opened up his book. Okay, so do you think it's crazy when people open up their book and show people? I don't. I don't either. I because just, most people won't do yeah. it. I started teaching a course for uh, marketing, and my parents in particular were like, why are you telling people exactly what you do? Aren't you going to lose clients? But I think that you don't. I think you actually gain from that. 
by teaching others how you do things. Absolutely. I think uh, Charles Glosser said something a long time ago. I used to have it in my portfolio when I would go for interviews. And it was percentages. And, and the last percentage was 90% of the stuff you teach other people, you retain better. So when I was coaching wrestling, I started a biddy program. And I made it mandatory for my high school athletes to participate. Back to basics. Yep, and teach the younger people. So then they could see and understand what I was trying to show them. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't being a hard case on them. I was just trying to get them to be perfect. And so that's what they're trying to teach these, these kids who haven't quite got their coordination yet. But then they gained more knowledge from that. And, and I, I'm, I'm an open book. I, my door is wide open. I have salesmen come into me all the time and ask me, what mm -hmm. do you do? How do I do this? And I, and I share and I try to teach. But the problem is, is they still have to do it and they have to want to put in the time, energy and effort to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think people fall short because we have a certain level like that, those fleas, you know, you, you've set a limit for yourself mm -hmm. and then you're not going to jump any higher. And I talk about living your dash. Um, your dash is what's the date you were born and the day you die. Okay. And that dash is on your tombstone. Okay. Okay. So what did you do in that dash? Well, hopefully lots of rowdy things. <laughs> We all, we all get the same yeah, time. We all, we all get, the, get same, the same time. Same time. Yeah. Same, I mean, years, not necessarily, but the same time and day, same week, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. And people say, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I think that's just a big excuse. That is one of my major excuses. I'm very guilty of that. I'm like, well, I'm just so busy. I act like I'm the only busy human on the face of the earth, which is not true. We're all busy. So how do you overcome the mental thoughts of I don't have enough time? Like what would be your advice to me? So what you need to do is, is, Block your time in 15-minute increments. I've heard this recommended to me a million times. Yes. I should just do it. Yeah. Just take a legal pad and write it right down for two weeks. Block your time. And then it's going to jump out off the paper. Right. That three hours what, I screwed around on what Facebook. What you wasting your time on. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay. Well, real quick before we go, Jerry, how do people go about finding a mentor? I think when you, when you try to find a mentor, you need to find somebody that's going to challenge you. Mm -hmm. And you always want to look up. You don't want to look laterally or look down. No, you want to look at somebody that is more successful mm -hmm. than you. When you find somebody that's more successful than you, they're probably going to be busy as you are or busier than you are. So you need to be very um, cognizant of their time. Mm -hmm. But most people that are successful are, are like me and want to give back. You know, it's like the, it's a, a song by he's got Faith Hills, his wife, Tim McGraw, Tim McGraw. Yeah, there you go. Tim McGraw. So. Tim McGraw has a song where um, when you get to where you're going, don't forget to turn back around. Oh, yeah. He does say that. Yeah. So don't forget to turn back around and help the others to get yeah. to where you are. That's nice. I've told my kids for a lot of years, you can't strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. We live in a society where a lot of people are down here and they're envious because of what they see on Facebook or the envious of, of somebody else's career because they're more successful. Mm -hmm. And what, what do they want to do? They want to talk trash about them they want to try to chop them down that's exactly but right that's, that's not going to help them and that person that's up there they're up there for a reason they're not going to mm -hmm. they're not going to fall prey to your your chatter mm -hmm. so you can't strengthen the weak by weakening the strong you just have to make yourself stronger and how do you do that by putting positive things in your ears not going down the rabbit hole like facebook for three hours <laughs> okay jerry well this was awesome are, are you going to do this every week yes we'll be back next week and where should people follow you? So you can follow me on my Instagram page, uh, my Facebook page, Jerry Gerken at Taylor Kia. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, my Instagram page is just my name. Jerry Gherkin. Yep. All right. And then uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks for the chat and thanks for the great advice today. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon.